Well, welcome everyone. My name is Josh Neuroth, and like uh, Galen said, I work at Anchor. You guys um, introduce, introduce yourself. I'm uh, Alex Glukowski, I'm CEO, co-founder of Matter Labs, the company behind Zikin Sigma. Hello, everyone. My name is Vasily Djokas. I am uh, the Web3 strategy and business development lead for Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, so we're excited to be here today. We're going to talk about some of the ways we're working together, how we think uh, the market's going today. Uh, a little bit about Anchor. Um, we're one of the largest RPC node infrastructure staking as a service providers out there. Any given month, we have 50 million unique IPs that use our RPC endpoints through our customer endpoints. So I think there's like, you know, 400 million or so crypto users out there. So we have a good chunk of the market on, on that. And we've been growing like crazy. We support almost 30 different chains now on Anchor. And one of the interesting things that I think what's happening in the market is, you know, there's a lot of different RPC providers, which is amazing for the community. We have definitely seen kind of like the RPC provider side, we've effectively become like a developer hub. And I think the RPC providers are now functioning almost as an onboarding experience for developers. Because one of the first things a developer needs when they want to get into the ecosystem or when they're building an ecosystem is they need a high quality endpoint and connection to the blockchain. So um, we're excited to be working with Microsoft. We just had a big announcement where um, we're going to support node infrastructure for on Azure. And we've noticed one of uh, this really interesting thing, I think the last 18 months, I was here at ETH Denver last year, and it was just, you started seeing like more and more traditional enterprises announced that they had Web3 strategies. But since then, we've seen this massive movement where really almost every company has a Web3 strategy or is looking at it, wondering how they can participate. And so we recognize that at Anchor. And we also recognize that, that these companies have already have established infrastructure on Azure. They already have their teams on Azure and other clouds, right? So that's kind of where we see the partnership going. So maybe Vasilis, you could talk a little bit about you know, you guys have many resources at Microsoft. You could have built your own um, Web3 infrastructure, but why did you guys partner with, uh, you know, a, a project like Anchor? Yeah, Josh, it, it, it's a good question. And I would say there, there are multiple reasons. Some of them are that we, we are approaching and we are entering the Web3 space with a very humble and learning mindset, yeah. right? Yeah. So we want to learn from leading Web3 native companies like Anchor, like ZK Sync. So we, we try to identify partnerships like the one we announced a few days ago, as a, both as a, a learning opportunity for Microsoft, but also as a way to provide the tools and the infrastructure that our customers need. So just building on what you said, Every day we receive signals from our existing enterprise Web2 companies that they want to enter Web3. Microsoft's mission is to empower every person and every company in the world to achieve more. And we can do that through you know, Node Infra. And all of them, most of them, want to enter Web3. Mm -hmm. So um, that's pretty much a summary of, of the reasons. There are many other reasons, but I would say learning, humble mindset, yeah. and at the same time empowering our existing customers. Yeah, so what, what are some of those signals that you see? Like, what are they looking at? When you hear this, like, you guys have a, you guys probably have one of the, the best perspectives mm. on the enterprise adoption side. Correct. Right? So what are, you, what are some things that you're hearing out there? It's very interesting. I mean, there, are, there is a spectrum of maturity when it comes to Web3 and the Web2 organizations. So there are banks or financial organizations which are, I would say, pretty knowledgeable 
So they come to us because we are already working with them one way or another. And we try to shape the Web3 strategy, whether that might be tokenization of an asset, DeFi, crypto, you know, the, the financial aspect of Web3. But we, we start seeing more and more retailers, manufacturers, media and entertainment companies wanting to enter, in, to enter the space with NFTs, circular economy, supply chain, traceability. So I know that there is a public discussion on Twitter and everyone about the use case. What is the use case of Web3, right? Believe me, there are many. There's not <laughs> one. So I believe that next year, hopefully we will all be here again, it will be much more mature mm. and much more stable than it is right now. Yeah, and the, the scalability is obviously a concern for a lot of these um, companies. And my, my personal thesis, I see the Web3 space, it seems like originally you know, a couple of years ago, we were looking at that maybe crypto, like we saw payments, and we're like, oh, this is going to be an all everyday consumer life. But what's really happened recently is we see uh, the, almost like this economy forming between applications and apps working with other apps. And, you know, fiat is not always the best uh, economic system to work from an application or a machine to another machine. So I think we're starting to see this like shift that maybe mass adoption of crypto, it, it might be like on a global scale, but we probably won't buy a pizza with crypto anytime soon or maybe never. But what we are seeing is that applications are working with other applications and there's economies forming between that. So, you know, from the Matter Labs perspective, you know, what do you guys see with that? You guys are working on scalability and, you know, doing zero knowledge to do it. Um, yeah, so what, what we're doing, to, to give a quick intro, we're building the uh, ZKSync ERA, which is the most mature ZKVM. It's a scaling solution that uses zero-knowledge proofs um, for scalability. But we, we, we don't actually use the zero-knowledge aspect yeah. that much. We're not focusing on privacy. We're using this succinct property of the this new cryptographic protocols right. that allow you to prove um, unlimited amount of computations in a way that makes it very easily verifiable by, uh, by anyone, by, by your fo uh, mobile phone, by, by Ethereum nodes, etc. So um, scalability was a topic in Ethereum, in, in crypto space for a couple of years, but we're the, we, we were this idea of the blockchain trilemma that you, you have to sacrifice some very, very important properties of blockchain systems in order to reach scale, such as security or decentralization. Uh, but if you do that, then you lose the main value proposition. Right. Uh, so we, we, the zero knowledge process is the only technology we have today that completely breaks out of the trilemma. Yeah. We can have any number of transactions running in parallel. We can have many chains seamlessly interconnected uh, in, a, in one single system. Like I, I like to call it the Internet of Value, where anyone can talk to anyone else instantly, just like you are on the internet, you're making a call and, and this call is guaranteed to cryptographically be valid. And um, and that comes all with the security that, that is 100% inherited from the underlying chain. Yeah, one, one of the things we've seen at Anchor is that, you know, developers are very interested in zero knowledge. I think it's gonna be the hot topic this year, but, but one of the things that seems to be the case is that people are realizing that, the, you know, the, the ZK, the zero knowledge, uh, strategies are a way to really improve the user experience of Web3. And I think that will tie into the, you know, the partnership with Microsoft. Um, can you talk a little bit about like some of the, like explain it like I'm five, what does zero knowledge do and how does it improve the user experience for Web3? Yeah, sure. So we, we have to begin with uh, the, the state of, of the user experience today, <laughs> which is uh, 
far from perfect to, to put it mildly. So like your your first interaction with blockchains today starts with a lot of esoteric <laughs> things that you have to learn about. Like, yeah. oh, this is a seed phrase. I have to put it in some secure node. Uh, like, how do I handle it? Um, then like you, oh, I, I, for my first transaction, I have to, to, to pay some gas in, in yep. some token. Like I just got some USDC from a friend, but I cannot use it to pay the gas. You know, like all these things are compounding. Yep. Each of the, of these friction points would be sufficient to like kill significant percentage of, of conversions in, in the uh, web two world, but they're compounding. So like y you have to go like break through this, this layers of complexities. So what we can do with uh, uh, with the, the, the this new generation of scaling protocols with L2s on, on Ethereum on, based on, on ZKVM is you can experiment a little bit more and you can leverage this, this very interesting property of zero knowledge proofs that the computation becomes abundant. Mm -hmm. You don't have, like, unlike Ethereum where you have a block with block limit and then everyone competes for the space in the same block, which makes the supply fixed and demand rising exponentially, leading to prices also rising exponentially. In the case of zero knowledge proofs, you're only paying for actual computation. Yep. So what matters is that you have a lot of GPUs, a lot of computing power with clouds or maybe decentralized in the hands of the users through using technologies. And then you're only paying for actual amount of computation you, you need. And that's going to be cheap and flat. Yep. And so you can build like really interesting experience. You can build account abstraction uh, uh, that is very affordable and you don't have to bother about secret phrases. You just log in with your email and password, but you still have full control over your account yep. or you can delegate some of your friends to, to be your guardians to recover it. You can pay in any token. You can do a lot of compli complicated things under the hood, hiding this complexity from the user without incurring unsurmountable costs of these things. So this is the main value that you get from, from something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's almost like hiding, hiding the technology behind the user experience. And I think that's what Zero Knowledge is finally starting to do and looks promising to be able to solve, which is what large enterprises are really interested in. I want to call it something that Alex said there, and we've realized this, we have a whole you know, support strategy for, for Zero Knowledge, and that's that uh, GPUs are, are coming back you know, not really for mining, but for the computational abilities for zero knowledge proofs. And that's a resource that if you go out there today in the market and you need a lot of GPUs for computation, GPUs, you know, are, are, are somewhat hard to find. And they're not really the ones that you can, that, that, you know, that Bitcoin and Ethereum miners are using. And so one of the values really, really see with the, the Microsoft uh, partnership is Microsoft has a huge amount of GPUs. They have a whole AI strategy, and we see that as being a fundamental requirement to supporting the zero-knowledge space. So, Vasilis, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Actually, before we jump into the yeah. AI thing, just a comment on what Alex was saying. And everyone here in the room who has worked one way or another on enterprise or SaaS, they will understand what I'm going to say, which is that sometimes we need to double-click on some words. For example, the, the word user. In enterprise, there are three kinds of users, right? The developer, the end customer, or you know, the consumer, but it's also the buyer. So it's what we call BDM, the business decision maker, right? Ten years ago, when you were trying to sell cloud, 
you were usually selling the cloud to the IT person of the company, right? right. Now you're selling to the CFO, to the CMO, right? When Web3 will become so mature where you will have to sell to the CMO of Starbucks, it will be in a, in a situation where I think we will be all be happy. So I just want to make that comment. Now, about GPUs, I mean, I think you have all been uh, following the space about AI, generative AI, ChatGPT. We're very proud about our collaboration and partnership with OpenAI. Look, it's a scarce resource, and uh, this is where the cloud companies, and again, I have a huge respect for, for Google, for AWS. I think this is one of the main values that those companies can bring to Web3 when it comes to scalability. And if we want to discuss about AI and Web3, I do see those two forces creating something amazing, things that we cannot even think right now. But I have seen some early, I would say, yeah. use cases which are truly exciting. Yeah, we, we did some tests with uh, ChatGPT where we, we were wondering if ChatGPT could deploy a node for us. <laughs> and you know, there was uh, some scripting that, that ChatGPT was able to produce that we were like, wow, this is actually a really, really interesting that you know, an AI chatbot has the ability to start building scripts. And we started looking at that like, you know, could this technology be used to automate smart contracts, to interface with the blockchain? I think what we're seeing here For sure. is definitely a convergence of all these things. And I think that, you know, um, from our perspective, you know, like, like the, the, the tech scene has had like these, these like technologies that start working together, right? Like we had this, the, the internet and then the smartphone kind of, the smartphone adoption really made the sharing economy work. And now we're seeing AI and Web3 yeah. start to just, we're in the very baby steps of them working together. But I think that's what, we're, we have a strategy around that. And we, we definitely think that with a combination of zero knowledge proofs of supporting, um, you know, protocols like, like ZK Sync and then working with Microsoft that we could, uh, we could get there. For sure. Um, it's, it's an exciting space. I think people who, who approach AI and Web3 in silos, yeah. they, they lose the big picture. Yeah. Uh, when you combine technologies, this is where the magic happens. You mentioned things like smart contract development. You know, it can be through a co-pilot, right? We have that in GitHub. Other companies are doing that with other LLMs. And of course, innovation is welcome. It could be developers building smart contracts 10 times faster. Right? Um, it could be an indexer on a blockchain having the ChatGPT, and you can ask all kinds of questions. Again, these are Horizon 1 use cases. Imagine the things we could do in the future. But um, hopefully, we will build the future together. So that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you said something earlier there, too, that I think was really key is that you guys at, at Azure have seen that often the persona you're selling to is a CFO. Um, and that's like one, one reason at Anchor we recognize, I think there's, it's kind of been this narrative like, will node providers be off the cloud? Will they be on the cloud? And I think that, that key there is really, really important that um, oftentimes like by partnering with the clouds, we, we can drive, we can help, help that adoption happen faster because yes. you know, those customers can use their Azure computing credits for, my, for Web3 services through Anchor and they can, they can access um, you know, ZK infrastructure, they can access ZK sync, we can deploy that to Azure, and you'll leverage those customers there. Yeah. For sure. I mean, uh, there's another element in our partnership, which, uh, uh, and the same applies again for AWS, for Google, I don't want to make it very centric to Microsoft, is the idea of a marketplace, right? Yeah. Again, for those who are not very familiar with the enterprise space, enterprise marketplaces are currently 
the, the environments where most of the B2B transactions take place. Right? Like we have seen more than 50% of the transactions happening on the marketplace. So a marketplace is like an app store for, a, for enterprise. So having node solutions, ZK solutions on the marketplace can make the adoption super fast, li literally with one click deployment. Yep. So this is where we want to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and I want to talk to Alex a little bit too and get into some of the, the narratives. So earlier we said that this war or this uh, this year we've seen zero knowledge be very hyped. So, you know, how do you see kind of like who's do you see like ZK EVM as a competitor? Like how do you see the rest of the space and how you guys differentiate in that space? Um, sure. So the the way we, we, we look at this space now is it's very small and it's in its yeah. very early stages. Mm -hmm. What we're doing right now is we're we're trying to replicate the experience people have on layer one uh, uh, to make the onboarding very easy. Uh, but that's not where we're going to stop because we, you cannot really be, um, you know, like with the technology goes, goes forward, you, you don't want to be binding yourself to some legacy baggage that you have to carry on forever. You want to experiment, so we're, we're uh, building things like LLVM compiler from Solidity, which taps into this massively mature LLVM ecosystem and will allow us to later add other languages such as Rust or um, you know, f uh, Move or, or, or anything else more modern um, to write smart contracts in a more expressive way. So you, you can actually leverage this potential for much larger computation that is possible on uh, ZK technologies. So we, we don't see, uh, you know, like we see all the projects that are trying to build ZK solutions now as experiments. Yep. And we, we tend to think about it as a marathon, not a sprint. Right. It's not about like building something now, like wh whoever builds launches first is, is going to get the market share. Like it's about the right mature technology that is going to be there long term. Yeah. Do you think it's, do you think we'll see like, will there, you know, there's a, a lot of talk in the early days of kind of the layer ones that there'll be only one layer one. And we've talked the last couple of days here at ETH Denver and it, at this interrupt summit about, about how we, we are in this multi-chain interchain future. You know, do you think it's like a winner take all with, with zero knowledge or will there be a, will everyone kind of have a zero knowledge strategy or chain? Like, how do you see that? That's a, that's a really interesting topic. So the, um, I definitely agree that the future is multi-chain. Yeah. It's physically not possible to process all of the world's value transactions on a single monolithic system, just like internet is not built on one server or even on, on one data cluster. Um, so there will be many systems and they have to be seamlessly interoperable. Um, it's clear that this interoperability will be based on internal knowledge proofs. It's just the most mature, the, 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 the most, um, fitting technology yep. for bridging these trustless systems without introducing intermediate assumptions. Um, now, how exactly this architecture is going to look like, whether there's going to be like one single settlement layer for all of those chains, or whether the chains are going to remain s separate. Uh, we can argue, like th there are different points of view uh, on this. I personally tend to think that there will be, we will observe some form of cons con consolidation of, yep. uh, of these chains mm. on the most decentralized uh, fundamental layer one base, yep. like which I think is, 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 is likely to be Ethereum, yep. simply because it makes bridging 
much more efficient. Mm. Like you don't have to, to rely in like, mm -hmm. when, when you have two separate blockchain systems, completely separate, with separate set of validators, fully sovereign, you can't really bridge within them. You can, what you can do is like not take assets from here and send them over here and they disappear on the first system. That's not how it works. You take these assets, you freeze them on the first system and you create a, a, a representation on the other one and you can transact back, but it, it's always parked here. <coughs> like you park your car, you, you get another car and you, you can walk over the bridge, you get another car and on, on, on the different space and, and you use it. Uh, and that is not really, like, I, I, this is hard to scale. This is hard to scale beyond multiple hops. When you have one single system where everything is settling on, yeah. that's easy. You can actually have these bridges that, that, that move on uh, between these chains. Uh, but so yeah, th this is this is my view for now. We, we'll we'll see how it actually evolves. Yeah, it's re it's really interesting. I think that's going to be a key. If with this multi-chain, you know, we've seen we've seen chains succeed in almost like programming languages, where there's kind of pros and cons to different chains, and there's different users. We see, you know, Binance has done an amazing job onboarding literally hundreds of millions of users to to BNB chain. Right, we see um, U.S. and Europe. There's this amazing decentralization that is taking place with Ethereum, right? But, but, in, but you know, bridging is a huge issue, and you have to, as a as a user and also as a developer, pick the chain you want to be on, where user base is. And I, one of the questions that we get anchor for new devs is in this space is like, well, what chain should we deploy on? And it's it's hard to answer because we're pretty neutral yeah. and. There's so many con you know con factors to consider, like can your application handle Ethereum gas fees, right? Like, or you know, where's your primary user base? Where where are you getting traction at? And I think it seems like zero knowledge and how that's going to work is going to really eliminate that from the conversation and just make it so you know deploy where there's decentralization and you can you can go anywhere. I agree, and the the example you brought with Binance is really interesting because the we see lately more big players realizing that bridging is really the core issue that we're dealing with. Yeah, it's not the scalability. We're going to solve scalability with, right. with zero knowledge proofs, with with rollups, but bridging is something you can't really uh, solve and, uh, unless you do it right in the beginning. So we see Coinbase, for example, deploying on Ethereum. Yep. In like specifically quoting the concerns about the bridging. So if, it doesn't matter if they are on one rollup or the other because they, they are going to be natively bridgeable between uh, the users of, of Ethereum. Uh, but they, they chose not to create their own sovereign chain but instead tap into this uh, emerging ecosystem, which I think is right. a very interesting sign. Yeah, that, that combo between the rollup technology with the layer twos and the zero knowledge, it seems really powerful. And it seems like 2023 is shaping up that this will be the year of layer twos. What do you think about that? Uh, oh, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Moreover, it's going to be the year of ZKVMs. Yeah, yeah. This is where you know, like we had layer tools for quite a while. Um, uh, we had technologies like optimistic rollups that, that today give uh, a significant uh, boost of, of scalability by a factor of <coughs> 10x, um, 20x, with ZKVMs that will be mature by the end of this year. Will have a factor of. Uh, I don't know, m much higher because I it's hard to say because depending on the use case, you, you like some things will be 10x cheaper, some things will be 1,000 times yeah. cheaper, like Oracle updates, for example. Right, right. Yeah, I'm curious, Vasily, you know, we're, we're just have a minute or so left here, but you know, how does that kind of conversation play in with those enterprise users that you that you talk to literally every day? I know you're leaving here and going to customer meetings. You know, are they 
Are they excited about zero knowledge? Is it not even on their radar yet? Like, where are we at with that? First of all, we receive similar questions the ones that Alex said. Said, hey, Microsoft, in which chain we should be building? And of course, our position is neutral, yeah. right? But it, it, it's a very good signal on, on, on the lack of maturity and even the knowledge. They have heard about zero knowledge, so yeah. we, are <laughs> we have to educate them a little bit. But look, I think hopefully those things, the plumbing of, of Web3 will not be an issue in two years. Yeah. And you will have to discuss about use cases and, and how to bring business users to, to blockchain. But right now, they're all asking about scalability. They're all asking about security. Yeah. And I, I know we have 30 seconds. One more thing that Alex said, which I think is very important. We all want to grow the space, the Web3 space, but it's better to do it slowly with the right Yes. Initiatives and the right, I would say, mindset rather than going fast and break the whole thing, right? Uh, so I'm also very bullish about the future of Web3 in 2023. And yeah, it's time to build. Like literally, it's time to awesome. build. Yeah. Well, we're excited to work with both of you and support, you. you know, both uh, Microsoft and ZK Sync and Manor Labs. So uh, I think we're out of time here. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. And we'll be, we're, all three of us are on Twitter. If you have any questions, we can be reached on Twitter. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.